Hello again, I'm Richard Figge, and this is for Reading Out Loud. Thanks for joining me this evening. I cannot think of any four words more potent than once upon a time. Think of it. When we hear these four words, we immediately know that we are about to hear a story in which strange and marvelous things are about to happen, a story in which everyday laws of nature and causality are suspended. We know that the central characters may be put to terrible tests, and that through pluck, imagination, and a good heart, they will somehow prevail. And in spite of any scary things or creatures in the story, and even if we've never heard the story before, we know it is somehow going to come out all right in the end. Maybe they'll even live happily ever after. Tonight, because Lena wanted them, a selection of fairy tales collected and edited by the Brothers Grimm in the early 19th century. I hope you'll enjoy them as much as she does. THE WOLF AND THE SEVEN LITTLE KIDS Once upon a time there lived an old goat who had seven little kids and loved them with all the love of a mother for her children. One day she wanted to go into the forest and fetch some food, so she called all seven to her and said, Dear children, I have to go into the forest. Be on your guard against the wolf. If he comes in, he will devour you all, skin, hair, and all. The wretch often disguises himself, but you will know him at once by his rough voice and his black feet. The kid said, Dear mother, we will take good care of ourselves. You may go away without any anxiety. Then the old one bleated and went on her way with an easy mind. It was not long before someone knocked at the door and called, Open the door, dear children. Your mother is here and has brought something back with her for each of you. But the kids knew that it was the wolf by the rough voice. We will not open the door, they cried. You are not our mother. She has a soft, pleasant voice, but your voice is rough. You are the wolf. Then the wolf went away to a shopkeeper and bought himself a great lump of chalk, ate this, and made his voice soft with it. Then he came back, knocked at the door of the house, and cried, "'Open the door, dear children. Your mother is here, and has brought something back with her for each of you.' But the wolf laid his black paws upon the window, and the children saw them and cried, "'We will not open the door. Our mother has not black feet like you. You are the wolf.' Then the wolf ran to the baker and said, "'I have hurt my feet. Rub some dough over them for me.' And when the baker had rubbed his feet over, he ran to the miller and said, Strew some white meal over my feet for me. The miller thought to himself, The wolf wants to deceive someone, and refused. But the wolf said, If you will not do it, I will devour you. Then the miller was afraid, and made his paws white for him. Truly, men are like that. So now the wretch went for the third time to the house door, knocked at it, and said, 
Open the door for me, my children. Your dear little mother has come home and has brought every one of you something back from the forest with her. The little kids cried, First show us your paws, that we may know if you are our dear little mother. Then he put his paws in through the window, and when the children saw that they were white, they believed that all he said was true and opened the door. But who should come in but the wolf? They were terrified and wanted to hide themselves. One sprang under the table, the second into bed, the third into the stove, the fourth into the kitchen, the fifth into the cupboard, the sixth under the washing bowl, and the seventh into the clock case. But the wolf found them all and used no great ceremony. One after the other, he swallowed them down his throat. The youngest, who was in the clock case, was the only one he did not find. When the wolf had satisfied his appetite, he took himself off, laid himself under a tree in the green meadow outside, and began to sleep. Soon afterwards the old goat came home again from the forest. Ah, what a sight she saw there! The house door stood wide open. The table, chairs, and benches were thrown down, the washing bowl lay broken to pieces, and the quilts and pillows were pulled off the bed. She sought her children, but they were nowhere to be found. She called them one after another by name, but no one answered. At last, when she came to the youngest, a soft voice cried, "'Dear mother, I am in the clock case.' She took the kid out, and it told her that the wolf had come and had eaten all the others. Then you may imagine how she wept over her poor children. At length in her grief she went out, and the youngest kid ran with her. When they came to the meadow, there lay the wolf by the tree, and snored so loud that the branches shook. She looked at him on every side, and saw that something was moving and struggling in his gorged belly. "'Ah, heavens!' said she. "'Is it possible that my poor children, whom he has swallowed down for his supper, can still be alive?' Then the kid had to run home and fetch scissors and a needle and thread." and the goat cut open the monster's stomach, and hardly had she made one cut than one little kid thrust its head out, and when she cut farther, all six sprang out one after another, and were all still alive, and had suffered no injury whatever, for in his greediness the monster had swallowed them down whole. What rejoicing there was! They embraced their dear mother, and jumped like a sailor at his wedding." The mother, however, said, Now, go and look for some big stones, and we will fill the wicked beast's stomach with them while he is still asleep. Then the kids dragged the stones there with all speed, and put as many of them into his stomach as they could get in. And the mother sewed him up again in the greatest haste, so that he was not aware of anything, and never once stirred. When the wolf at length had had his sleep out, he got on his legs, and as the stones in his stomach made him very thirsty, he wanted to go to a well to drink. But when he began to walk and move about, the stones in his stomach knocked against each other and rattled. Then cried he, What rumbles and tumbles against my poor bones! I thought it was six kids, but it's naught but big stones. And when he got to the well, 
and stooped over the water and was just about to drink, the heavy stones made him fall in, and there was no help, but he had to drown miserably. When the seven kids saw that, they came running to the spot and cried aloud, The wolf is dead! The wolf is dead! and danced for joy round about the well with their mother. THE Bremen TOWN MUSICIANS A certain man had a donkey which had carried the corn sacks to the mill indefatigably for many a long year. But his strength was going, and he was growing more and more unfit for work. Then his master began to consider how he might best save his keep. But the donkey, seeing that no good wind was blowing, ran away and set out on the road to Bremen. There, he thought, I can surely be town musician. When he had walked some distance, he found a hound lying on the road, gasping like one who had run till he was tired. "'What are you gasping so for, you big fellow?' asked the donkey. "'Ah,' replied the hound, "'as I am old and daily growing weaker and no longer can hunt, my master wanted to kill me, so I took to flight. But now how am I to earn my bread?' "'I tell you what,' said the donkey, "'I am going to Bremen, and shall be town musician there. "'Go with me, and engage yourself also as a musician. "'I will play the lute, and you shall beat the kettle-drum.' "'The hound agreed, and on they went. "'Before long they came to a cat, sitting on the path, "'with a face like three rainy days. "'Now then, old shaver, what's gone askew with you?' asked the donkey. "'Who can be merry when his neck is in danger?' answered the cat. "'Because I am now getting old, and my teeth are worn to stumps, "'and I prefer to sit by the fire and spin rather than hunt about after mice, "'my mistress wanted to drown me, so I ran away. "'But now good advice is scarce. Where am I to go?' "'Go with us to Bremen. You understand night music? You can be a town musician.' "'The cat thought well of it and went with them.' After this, the three fugitives came to a farmyard, where the cock was sitting upon the gate, crowing with all his might. "'Your crow goes through and through one,' said the donkey. "'What is the matter?' "'I have been foretelling fine weather, because it is the day on which Our Lady washes the Christ child's little shirts and wants to dry them,' said the cock. "'But guests are coming for Sunday.' so the housewife has no pity, and has told the cook that she intends to eat me in the soup to-morrow, and this evening I am to have my head cut off. Now I am crowing at full pitch while I can. "'Ah, but Redcomb,' said the donkey, "'you had better come away with us. We are going to Bremen. You can find something better than death everywhere. You have a good voice, and if we make music together it must have some quality.' The cock agreed to this plan, and all four went on together. They could not, however, reach the city of Bremen in one day, and in the evening they came to a forest where they meant to pass the night. The donkey and the hound laid themselves down under a large tree, and the cat and the cock settled themselves in the branches. But the cock flew right to the top where he was most safe. Before he went to sleep he looked round on all four sides and thought he saw in the distance a little spark burning, so he called out to his companions that there must be a house not far off, for he saw a light. The donkey said, If so, we had better get up and go on, 
for the shelter here is bad. The hound thought that a few bones with some meat on would do him good, too. So they made their way to the place where the light was, and soon saw it shine brighter and grow larger, until they came to a well-lighted robber's house. The donkey, as the biggest, went to the window and looked in. "'What do you see, my grey horse?' asked the cock. "'What do I see?' answered the donkey. "'A table covered with good things to eat and drink, and robbers sitting at it enjoying themselves.' "'That would be the sort of thing for us,' said the cock. "'Yes, yes. Ah, how I wish we were there,' said the donkey. Then the animals took counsel together how they should manage to drive away the robbers, and at last they thought of a plan. The donkey was to place himself with his four feet upon the window ledge, the hound was to jump on the donkey's back, the cat was to climb upon the dog, and lastly the cock was to fly up and perch upon the head of the cat. When this was done, at a given signal, they began to perform their music together. The donkey brayed, the hound barked, the cat mewed, and the cock crowed. Then they burst through the window into the room so that the glass clattered. At this horrible din, the robbers sprang up, thinking no otherwise than that a ghost had come in, and fled in a great fright out into the forest. The four companions now sat down at the table, well content with what was left, and ate as if they were going to fast for a month. As soon as the four minstrels had done, they put out the light, and each sought for himself a sleeping-place according to his nature and to what suited him. The donkey laid himself down upon some straw in the yard, the hound behind the door, the cat upon the hearth near the warm ashes, and the cock perched himself upon a beam of the roof, and being tired from their long walk, they soon went to sleep. When it was past midnight, and the robbers saw from afar that the light was no longer burning in the house, and all appeared quiet, the captain said, We ought not to have let ourselves be frightened out of our wits, and ordered one of them to go and examine the house. The messenger, finding all still, went into the kitchen to light a candle, and taking the glistening fiery eyes of the cat for live coals, he held a lucifer match to them to light it. But the cat did not understand the joke, and flew in his face, spitting and scratching. He was dreadfully frightened, and ran to the back door, but the dog, who lay there, sprang up and bit his leg and as he ran across the yard by the straw heap, the donkey gave him a smart kick with its hind foot. The cock, too, who had been awakened by the noise and had become lively, cried down from the beam, Cock-a-doodle-doo! Then the robber ran back as fast as he could to his captain and said, Ah, there is a terrible witch sitting in the house who spat on me and scratched my face with her long claws, and by the door stands a man with a knife who stabbed me in the leg, and in the yard there lies a black monster who beat me with a wooden club, and above, upon the roof, sits the judge who called out, Bring the rogue here to me. So I got away as well as I could. After this the robbers did not trust themselves in the house again, but it suited the four musicians of Bremen so well that they did not care to leave it any more. And the mouth of him who last told this story is still warm. The Shoemaker and the Elves 
Once upon a time there was a shoemaker, who, by no fault of his own, had become so poor that at last he had nothing left but leather for one pair of shoes. So in the evening he cut out the shoes which he wished to begin to make the next morning, and, as he had a good conscience, he lay down quietly in his bed, commended himself to God, and fell asleep. In the morning, after he had said his prayers, and was just going to sit down to work, the two shoes stood quite finished on his table. He was astounded, and knew not what to say. He took the shoes in his hands to observe them closer, and they were so neatly made that there was not one bad stitch in them, just as if they were intended as a masterpiece. Soon after, a buyer came in, and, as the shoes pleased him so well, he paid more for them than was customary, and with the money the shoemaker was able to purchase leather for two pairs of shoes. He cut them out at night, and next morning was about to set to work with fresh courage, but he had no need to do so, for when he got up they were already made, and buyers also were not wanting, who gave him money enough to buy leather for four pairs of shoes. The following morning, too, he found the four pairs made, and so it went on constantly. What he cut out in the evening was finished by the morning, so that he soon had his honest independence again, and at last became a wealthy man. Now it befell that one evening, not long before Christmas, when the man had been cutting out, he said to his wife, before going to bed, "'What think you if we were to stay up to-night to see who it is that lends us this helping hand?' The woman liked the idea, and lighted a candle, and then they hid themselves in a corner of the room behind some clothes which were hanging up there, and watched. When it was midnight, two pretty little naked men came, sat down by the shoemaker's table, took all the work which was cut out before them, and began to stitch and sew and hammer so skillfully and so quickly with their little fingers that the shoemaker could not turn away his eyes for astonishment. They did not stop until all was done and stood finished on the table, and they ran quickly away. The next morning the woman said, The little men have made us rich, and we really must show that we are grateful for it. They run about so, and have nothing on, and must be cold. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make them little shirts, and coats, and vests, and trousers, and knit both of them a pair of stockings. And you, too, make them two little pairs of shoes. The man said, I shall be very glad to do it. And one night, when everything was ready, they laid their presents all together on the table instead of the cut-out work, and then concealed themselves to see how the little men would behave. At midnight they came bounding in, and wanted to go to work at once, but as they did not find any leather cut out, but only the pretty little articles of clothing, they were at first astonished, and then they showed intense delight. They dressed themselves with the greatest rapidity, putting the pretty clothes on, and singing, now we are boys so fine to see, why should we longer cobblers be? Then they danced and skipped and leaped over the chairs and benches. At last they danced out of doors. From that time forth they came no more, but as long as the shoemaker lived, all went well with him, 
and all his undertakings prospered. THE DEVIL WITH THE THREE GOLDEN HAIRS Once upon a time there was a poor woman who gave birth to a little son, and as he came into the world with a call on, it was predicted that in his fourteenth year he would have the king's daughter for his wife. It happened that soon afterwards the king came into the village, and no one knew that he was the king, and when he asked the people what news there was, they answered, A child has just been born with a call on. Whatever any one so born undertakes turns out well. It is prophesied, too, that in his fourteenth year he will have the king's daughter for his wife. The king, who had a bad heart and was angry about the prophecy, went to the parents, and seeming quite friendly, said, you poor people, let me have your child, and I will take care of it. At first they refused, but when the stranger offered them a large amount of gold for it, and they thought, it is a luck child, and everything must turn out well for it, they at last consented and gave him the child. The king put it in a box and rode away with it until he came to a deep piece of water. Then he threw the box into the water and thought, I have freed my daughter from her unlooked-for suitor. The box, however, did not sink, but floated like a boat, and not a drop of water made its way into it. And it floated to within two miles of the king's chief city, where there was a mill, and it came to a standstill at the mill dam. A miller's boy, who by good luck was standing there, noticed it and pulled it out with a hook, thinking that he had found a great treasure. But when he opened it, there lay a pretty boy inside, quite fresh and lively. He took him to the miller and his wife, and as they had no children they were glad, and said, God has given him to us. They took great care of the foundling, and he grew up in all goodness. It happened that once in a storm the king went into the mill and he asked the mill-folk if the tall youth was their son. "'No,' answered they, "'he's a foundling. Fourteen years ago he floated down to the mill-dam in a box, and the mill-boy pulled him out of the water.' Then the king knew that it was none other than the luck-child which he had thrown into the water, and he said, "'My good people, could not the youth take a letter to the queen? I will give him two gold pieces as a reward.' just as the king commands, answered they, and they told the boy to hold himself in readiness. Then the king wrote a letter to the queen, wherein he said, As soon as the boy arrives with this letter, let him be killed and buried, and all must be done before I come home. The boy set out with this letter, but he lost his way, and in the evening came to a large forest. In the darkness he saw a small light, He went towards it and reached a cottage. When he went in, an old woman was sitting by the fire quite alone. She started when she saw the boy and said, "'Where do you come from, and where are you going?' "'I come from the mill,' he answered, "'and wish to go to the queen, to whom I am taking a letter. But I have lost my way in the forest. I should like to stay here overnight.' "'You poor boy,' said the woman, "'you have come into a den of thieves.' and when they come home they will kill you. Let them come, said the boy, I am not afraid, but I am so tired that I cannot go any farther. 
and he stretched himself upon a bench and fell asleep. Soon afterwards the robbers came, and angrily asked what strange boy was lying there. Ah, said the old woman, it is an innocent child who has lost himself in the forest, and out of pity I have let him come in. He has to take a letter to the queen. The robbers opened the letter and read it, and in it was written that the boy, as soon as he arrived, should be put to death. Then the hard-hearted robbers felt pity, and their leader tore up the letter and wrote another, saying that as soon as the boy came, he should be married at once to the king's daughter. Then they let him lie quietly on the bench until the morning, and when he awoke they gave him the letter and showed him the right way. And the queen, when she received the letter and read it, did as was written in it, and had a splendid wedding feast prepared, and the king's daughter was married to the luck child, and as the youth was handsome and agreeable, she lived with him in joy and contentment. After some time the king returned to his palace, and saw that the prophecy was fulfilled, and the luck child married to his daughter. How has that come to pass? said he. I gave quite another order in my letter. So the queen gave him the letter, and said that he might see for himself what was written in it. The king read the letter, and saw quite well that it had been exchanged for the other. He asked the youth what had become of the letter entrusted to him, and why he had brought another instead of it. I know nothing about it, answered he. It must have been changed in the night when I slept in the forest. The king said in a passion, You shall not have everything quite so much your own way. Whoever marries my daughter must fetch me from hell three golden hairs from the head of the devil. Bring me what I want, and you shall keep my daughter. In this way the king hoped to be rid of him forever. But the luck child answered, I will fetch the golden hairs. I am not afraid of the devil. Thereupon he took leave of them and began his journey. The road led him to a large town, where the watchman by the gates asked him what his trade was and what he knew. I know everything, answered the luck child. Then you can do us a favor, said the watchman, if you will tell us why our market fountain, which once flowed with wine, has become dry and no longer gives even water. That you shall know, answered he, only wait until I come back. Then he went farther and came to another town, and there also the gatekeeper asked him what was his trade and what he knew. I know everything, answered he. Then you can do us a favor and tell us why a tree in our town, which once bore golden apples, now does not even put forth leaves. You shall know that, answered he. Only wait until I come back. Then he went on and came to a wide river over which he must go. The ferryman asked him what his trade was and what he knew. I know everything, answered he. Then you can do me a favor, said the ferryman, and tell me why I must always be rowing backwards and forwards and am never set free. You shall know that, answered he. Only wait until I come back. When he had crossed the water, he found the entrance to hell. It was black and sooty within, and the devil was not at home, but his grandmother was sitting in a large armchair. "'What do you want?' said she to him, but she did not look so very wicked. 
I should like to have three golden hairs from the devil's head, answered he, else I cannot keep my wife. That is a good deal to ask for, she said. If the devil comes home and finds you, it will cost you your life. But as I pity you, I will see if I cannot help you. She changed him into an ant and said, Creep into the folds of my dress. You will be safe there. Yes, answered he, so far so good. But there are three things besides that I want to know. Why a fountain which once flowed with wine has become dry and no longer gives even water? Why a tree which once bore golden apples does not even put forth leaves? And why a ferryman must always be going backwards and forwards and is never set free? Those are difficult questions, answered she. But only be silent and quiet and pay attention to what the devil says when I pull out the three golden hairs. As the evening came on, the devil returned home. No sooner had he entered than he noticed that the air was not pure. I smell man's flesh here, said he. All is not right here. Then he pried into every corner and searched, but could not find anything. His grandmother scolded him. It has just been swept, said she, and everything put in order, and now you are upsetting it again. You have always got man's flesh in your nose. Now sit down and eat your supper. When he had eaten and drunk, he was tired and laid his head in his grandmother's lap, and before long he was fast asleep, snoring and breathing heavily. Then the old woman took hold of a golden hair, pulled it out, and laid it down near her. Oh, cried the devil, what are you doing? I've had a bad dream, answered the grandmother, so I seized hold of your hair. What did you dream then? said the devil. I dreamed that a fountain in a marketplace from which wine once flowed was dried up, and not even water would flow out of it. What is the cause of it? Oh, if they did but know it, answered the devil. There is a toad sitting under a stone in the well. If they killed it, the wine would flow again. He went to sleep again and snored until the windows shook. Then she pulled the second hair out. Ah! What are you doing? cried the devil angrily. Do not take it ill, she said. I did it in a dream. What have you dreamt this time? asked he. I dreamt that in a certain kingdom there stood an apple tree which had once borne golden apples, but now would not even bear leaves. What, think you, was the reason? Oh, if they did but know, answered the devil, a mouse is gnawing at the root. If they killed this, they would have golden apples again, but if it gnaws much longer, the tree will wither altogether. But leave me alone with your dreams. If you disturb me in my sleep again, you will get a box on the ear. The grandmother spoke gently to him until he fell asleep again and snored. Then she took hold of the third golden hair and pulled it out. The devil jumped up, roared out, and would have treated her ill if she had not quieted him once more and said, Who can help bad dreams? What was the dream then? asked he, and was quite curious. I dreamt of a ferryman who complained that he must always ferry from one side to the other and was never released. 
"'What is the cause of it?' (laughs) "'Ah, the fool!' answered the devil. "'When any one comes and wants to go across, "'he must put the oar in his hand, "'and the other man will have to ferry, "'and he will be free.' "'As the grandmother had plucked out the three golden hairs, "'and the three questions were answered, "'she let the old serpent alone, "'and he slept until daybreak.' When the devil had gone out again, the old woman took the ant out of the folds of her dress and gave the luck child his human shape again. "'There are the three golden hairs for you,' she said. "'What the devil said to your three questions, I suppose you heard.' "'Yes,' answered he, "'I heard and will take care to remember.' "'You have what you want,' said she, "'and now you can go your way.' He thanked the old woman for helping him in his need, and left hell well content that everything had turned out so fortunately. When he came to the ferryman, he was expected to give the promised answer. "'Ferry me across first, said the luck child, and then I will tell you how you can be set free. And when he reached the opposite shore, he gave him the devil's advice. "'Next time anyone comes who wants to be ferried over,' just put the oar in his hand. He went on and came to the town wherein stood the unfruitful tree, and there too the watchman wanted an answer, so he told him what he had heard from the devil. Kill the mouse which is gnawing at its root, and it will again bear golden apples. Then the watchman thanked him and gave him as a reward two asses laden with gold which followed him. At last he came to the town whose well was dry. He told the watchman what the devil had said. A toad is in the well beneath a stone. You must find it and kill it, and the well will again give wine in plenty. The watchman thanked him, and also gave him two asses laden with gold. At last the luck child got home to his wife, who was heartily glad to see him again, and to hear how well he had prospered in everything. To the king he took what he had asked for, the devil's three golden hairs. And when the king saw the four asses laden with gold, he was quite content, and said, Now all the conditions are fulfilled, and you can keep my daughter. But tell me, dear son-in-law, where did all that gold come from? This is tremendous wealth. I was rowed across a river, answered he, and got it there. It lies on the shore instead of sand. Can I too fetch some of it? said the king, and he was quite eager about it. As much as you like, answered he. There is a ferryman on the river. Let him ferry you over, and you can fill your sacks on the other side. The greedy king set out in all haste, and when he came to the river, he beckoned to the ferryman to put him across. The ferryman came and bade him get in and when they got to the other shore, he put the oar in his hand and sprang out. But from this time forth, the king had to ferry as a punishment for his sins. Perhaps he is ferrying still? If he is, it is because no one has taken the oar from him. You've been listening to a selection of Grimm's Fairy Tales, The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids, The Bremontown Musicians, The Shoemaker and the Elves, and The Devil with the Three Golden Hairs. I'm Richard Figge, and this has been for Reading Out Loud. 
That's it for tonight. I hope you'll join me again next week. In the meantime, be well, be happy, be careful out there. You're important. All the best. Thank you.